changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Tim Rahana. He is a writer and director whose latest film is showing in theaters across the country next Wednesday, June 13th, as the first in a series of Chicken Soup for the Soul special film events. Tim also happens to be the oldest of our four children, so this is a special event for the whole family. Tim, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Hello to your listeners. I have to say this is the first time I have interviewed a family member. Tim Rahana is a writer and director. He's also been an actor and a producer. He's been on both sides of the camera, so he knows filmmaking from every angle. And I thought that would be interesting for our listeners because we could talk about what it's like to create a feature film from scratch because you conceived of this, you wrote it, you directed it, and now it's appearing in theaters across the country next Wednesday. So let's start with the basics. Tell us a little bit about your film, One Last Thing, of course, without the spoilers. Okay, no spoilers. Um Yeah, One Last Thing is a film about uh, a middle-aged guy who discovers he has a mid-20s daughter that he didn't really know about. And I'm going to leave that a little bit vague for the purpose of not giving away too many details. Um, But the film follows uh, him as he makes this discovery and then uh, tries to figure out what to do about it, how to go about sort of meeting her, engaging her, and um, the way that their relationship starts to unfold. And of course, as we go, there are some twists and turns and some challenges that they face. And they're sort of forced to figure out how their new family unit is going to work. Um, and that's really what the film is about at its core. It's, it's looking at the question of what it means to be family. Uh, and it, uh, it stars an excellent cast uh, led by Wendell Pierce, who you may know from The Wire, uh, Treme, uh, the television show Suits, um, he plays the lead character, Dylan Derringer. Uh, his daughter is played by uh, Journey Smollett-Bell, who is on Underground. She was on Friday Night Lights and True Blood. Uh, and then rounding out the, the leads in the film, uh, are Joanne Froggett, who is of Downton Abbey fame and the recent show, A Liar. Yeah, it's an amazing cast. The film is great. We were happy that we were allowed to show it to our employees in January at our New Year's Eve party. And the theater was absolutely silent when it ended. People were just blown away and then burst into applause. And not just because they knew that your parents were in the theater. They really, really loved it. So I've been amazed all along by the fact that you just dreamt this plot up. It's not like you took, you know, a moment in history and turned it into a screenplay. You wrote the whole thing. It all came out of your head. How did you come up with this idea? I actually did sort of take a moment in history. Uh, it just happened to be from my own history. Um, the sort of central theme of the, the film, as I mentioned, the, what it means to be family, actually came out of the, uh, the end of a romantic relationship that I was in. Uh, we were together for a while, and uh, when the relationship ended, it had come as a bit of a surprise to me. I felt like we were on maybe a slightly different path than it turns out we were on, but I felt that we were sort of beginning our own little family. We didn't have kids. We weren't married, but we'd been together a long time. We'd adopted a dog together. Um, And so when the relationship ended, it left me with questions, not only about the relationship itself, but just sort of thinking about what it really means to be family. Because as we all know, you have the family that you're you're born with, and uh, 
have no choice about. And then you have, you know, the people who become family to you over the course of your life that you really do get to choose. So that was sort of the big impetus for the film. And then a number of other elements of the story, specifically some of the challenges and the obstacles that, that these two characters are forced to overcome uh, came actually from other screenplays that I was working on or other stories I was working on. Uh, and I just, as I started to work through the the main theme of the film, thought that they would make for interesting elements to this film. And it kind of just snowballs from there. As a, as a, as a writer, you sort of, you're pulling from all different, areas of your life or life in general to try to make the best story that you can and tell the story the best way that you know how. So a lot of our listeners are writers themselves. I know a lot of our listeners are Chicken Soup for the Soul writers, and we all know how to write narrative. But how do you learn to write for the screen? Do you have to take a class to learn how to write an actual script that can be turned into a movie? Well, you certainly can. And there's a number of good ones out there. I actually have never done that. Um, my writing education for, for the screen really just came out of being an actor. Um, as an actor, you read thousands of scenes, thousands of screenplays, whether it be for preparation for an audition or just for continued education or for classes, you're continuing to work on things. And so you, you get a feel for, um, you know, what works and what doesn't work. You get a feel for what writers are trying to get at in the writing of a scene or a script. Um, and so when you spend that much time working on things like that, so you're, you're, you're bound to pick up a few things here and there um, in terms of what works for you as an actor, but also understanding, as I said, where a writer is actually trying to get with what they're writing. So for me, it was really about um, acting first and, and when you're coming up as an actor, you, you can't spend all your time in classes or working on auditions, and you need other ways to be productive and be creative. And so a lot of writers, a lot of actors, I should say, that I know also do some writing on the side. And that was sort of how I got into it initially. And I found that I really liked it. Um, it was a, a productive way for me to spend my time just personally, but then also in, at the time enhancing my acting. And little did I know it would lead me to where I am today. So. All right. So the next step is you've written a script. You think it's done. How do you go from having this finished script to actually going into production? What are the different steps you have to take? That's a big, long process in most cases. But so you go from script. Um, and there's a, you know, there's a variety of different paths that this can go on. You know, you ultimately, though, you need to end up with the same things. Obviously, you need to raise the money or find the money, which is sort of the business side of this. Um, but you also need to find a uh, production company, producers to help you set the groundwork and lay all the, um, the pieces, put all the pieces together to make the production happen. And that all that happens before you actually go into production. Um, and you set up all the elements of production, and then you also have to set up all the elements of, of post-production. So there's a lot of work that goes into it up front. Um, and in this case, I was very lucky to... Um, have two friends uh, who are also producers uh, that I had actually interned for many, many years ago. Uh, they had read the script early on. They really liked it, responded to it, and wanted to be involved with it. And so the three of us, myself, Alexa Fogel, and Brendan Mason, who are the producers on the film, um, really started working on the script from a production standpoint, thinking about where we wanted to shoot it, which actors we thought would make uh, would be the right people for the roles. And then you start to piece at a time, just sort of go out there and put things together. Yeah, I remember hearing about how they were getting the casting done and 
the location scouting, and I know you lo- you scouted a lot of locations, and then there were a lot of other factors that went into that, even tax breaks in different places, because some states have tax breaks for movies, some don't. So you all of that has to go into consideration for putting this together. Yeah, there's, uh, like I said, there's so many different pieces, and, and they all fit together towards this one goal of getting on set for the first day of shooting. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, casting is certainly one element um, of it. And Alexa, uh, who is one of my producers, is also one of the most prominent casting directors in the country. So that was a huge, huge help for us, um, not only in terms of access to getting the script to agents and getting the script to actors, but also Alexa has such a great, um, a great mind for the story and how the characters fit into the story and knows so many actors and understands sort of their essence and is able to sort of um, translate that into what would might work for a particular script or a particular character. And, and in this case, um, bringing on Wendell and Journey and then Joanne was um, was just great. I mean, just really elevated the whole project and, and working with actors of that caliber is such a treat. So, so casting obviously is one huge part of it. Locations, as you mentioned, there's a lot that goes into locations. Um, obviously, you know, the, the requirements circumstantially of the script in this case, and one last thing, uh, the main character, Dylan, is an avid golfer, so he needed to live somewhere where he could golf year-round. Uh, we ended up uh, making that Florida. Um, but then we actually ended up shooting in Atlanta, so you're sort of making one place look like another. Um, while at the same time, his daughter Lucy's uh, location was actually Brooklyn, we were able to shoot some of that in Brooklyn, shoot some of that in Atlanta as well. Um, and you sort of fitting pieces together where you're making Atlanta look like Brooklyn in certain places and then finishing that out with actual shots in Brooklyn. While at the same time, you're shooting part of Atlanta and the surrounding neighborhoods or areas to look like part of northern Florida so that Dylan's golf can work. And so you're sort of juggling these different locations all in one place. And, and yes, tax breaks, as you mentioned, does come into it. Um, Georgia, for example, has tremendous tax incentives. That, that help filmmakers out, especially when you're working on a lower budget. But then in addition, you know, they offer a tremendous, uh, tremendously talented crew and the city is really filmmaker friendly. So you've got a lot of different things that go into those, those decisions. I love that. So when people go to see one last thing, if they're from the Atlanta area, they can see Atlanta masquerading as Florida and as Brooklyn. That's fabulous. They can. All right. Yeah, well, we're gonna... Hopefully they'll be watching the movie so, so intently that they won't notice. That's right. We're going to be back in a moment with more from Tim Rohana talking about the nationwide showing of One Last Thing. Okay, we're back with Tim Rohana, and we're talking about his feature film, One Last Thing, that is going to be shown in a special nationwide event on June 13th, just in time for Father's Day, because this film is very much about fatherhood and family and what it all means. So, Tim, we've talked about writing the script. We've talked about casting. We've talked about finding the location. So now let's talk about the shooting process, because I know I was lucky enough to see you shooting one of the crucial scenes in Brooklyn, and it was fascinating to see how that came together. It must have been an incredible feeling because it was all in your head and then all of a sudden it was happening right in front of you. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's 
really it's what you dream about. You know, when you when you write a script and you set out to direct it, you, you really you want to get to that moment where you're on set and you're calling action and the actors are doing their thing and the crew is doing their thing and you really get to actually see it happening. Um, it's it's an amazing experience and one I'm very thankful for. Interestingly enough, though, when you're doing that, you can't, you're not thinking about that at all. All you're thinking about is what you need to get done in this scene and what you need to get done today and tomorrow and the next day. And you're really just focused on, on the shooting of the film uh, because I don't, know, you know, I don't know how familiar some of your listeners are with the filmmaking process, but shooting a film, the actual act of production is usually the shortest part of filmmaking. You have a pre-production process that can be months to years long. Hopefully it's only months. Uh, and then you have the shooting process and then you have the post-production process. And in, in our case, we shot the film in 24 days over the course of what was basically five and a half weeks. Um, and so you are trying to get every single little detail you can squeezed out of this little tiny window for shooting before you go off to do post-production, which is where you edit the film and you put everything together and finish it and do the soundtrack and, and all of those things. So it's, it's such a, a breakneck pace when you're shooting that you don't really have time to think about how awesome it is. You're just thinking about getting the job done. Oh, I know. I remember how exhausted you were and you hardly got any sleep for weeks. And we were privileged enough to get your dog during that time. <laughs> so that was a thrill for us to have, your, to have your dog living with us for a while. And a great relief for me, believe me. Yeah, feel free to do that again, <laughs> because we love, we love your dog. Me too. So it must be interesting when, when you're the writer and then you're the director, because you don't really have to worry about, the director doesn't have to worry about the writer thinking, no, it was supposed to look different, and the writer doesn't have to worry about the director making it look different, because you did both. I wonder how it would feel for you if you wrote it, but were not directing it, or if you were directing something that somebody else had written it will probably be a different experience when that day comes, if it comes. Yeah, I imagine it, it would. I have directed things that other people have written in the past, so I'm familiar with that experience. I think it, it depends really on, on a couple of factors. You know, the relationship between the writer and the director, um, the involvement of the writer through the process versus they wrote the thing and then they're not really involved as it goes on into production and things like that. That can happen as well. Um, so it really depends. It, it's different, but I think... You know, filmmaking is such a collaborative event, um, and and once the script exists, and once it's cast, and once the production designers and makeup artists and the customers and the producers and the director get involved, it really is everybody bringing to bear their experience and their opinions um, to create their version of the story. And yes, it's always the director that sort of helms all of these things. But as a director, you, I think it's important to be able to have a vision, aim for your vision, but be willing to let the happy accidents and the mistakes and the other people's talents influence what ends up on film. Um, and, and in that respect, you do end up with a truly collaborative piece of art, if you will. Well, I think I think that actually makes a lot of sense because everybody brings their experience to it and that makes it just so much richer. So I'm really excited about this this special event on June 13th. It's going to be showing in theaters all over the country. And I know that people can go to fathomevents.com to buy tickets and learn more about it. It's fathom, F-A-T-H-O-M, events.com. 
And I know there's also going to be some special content that airs that night in addition to the film, including some content where you are on camera talking about directing the film and giving us some insight into at least one of the very emotional scenes in the film. Yeah, you'll see uh, you'll see a brief introduction of me on film. And after the film, uh, you'll be spared having to look at me once again. But um, yeah, we're going to do we're going to um, present two scenes where, um, as you uh, have seen the scenes previously, I'll sort of talk over them a little bit and, and talk a little bit about uh, elements of, of shooting the scene or writing the scene or the acting in the scene, just to kind of give you a little bit of a deeper look into what goes on behind the making of a scene like that, or like those that we're going to show for you. So if you do get a chance to come out and see the film, which I hope you will, um, please keep in mind to stick around afterwards for just a couple of, couple of extra minutes of bonus content that we've put together for you. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited about all of my friends being able to see the film on June 13th. So um, thanks. And uh, I guess I can say break a leg, or do you only say that to actors? I mean, I'll take it. We'll take all the luck we can get. So uh, thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate all the support you guys have given me over, over this whole process. Oh, it was our pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. So remember, it's, the film is called One Last Thing. It's really, really terrific. It's going to be showing all over the country on June 13th, just in time for Father's Day. You can buy your tickets at fathomevents.com. You can also go to Fandango or wherever you buy your movie tickets and look for it there because it's going to be at a lot of big movie chains around the country. You can also get information about how to get tickets by going to chickensoup.com. And come back for our next episode as we begin the week of Father's Day. We're going to talk about the quiet way that some fathers show their love for their children. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.